Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm here with... I say I'm here. It's unfortunate that we can't be in the same place, literally, but virtually I'm here with Caitlin and Luke Bechtold. Thank you guys so much for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We are so excited. We're pumped to be here. Yes. Real excited. Well, and I do, I have to say, as an interviewer, a guest or guests that bring energy to the conversation, it always makes my job easier. And it kind of, it, it's contagious, really. So I, I like yeah. the energy that you bring. I appreciate that. And let's just jump right into the conversation because we have a lot to cover. Let's start with something that um, we normally do here at the podcast called a technique for time. Very simply, if somebody's listening in, they've only got five minutes, I want to give them something of value to walk away from or walk away yeah. with rather. And so much of the podcast is about efficiency and workflow so that you have more time as a business owner. So what is a technique for time that you all apply to your workflow that, that creates more space in your life for doing something more than just sitting in front of the computer? Sure. Uh, well, that, that is a great question. So actually, one of the most beneficial things we've done for our business is getting up at 5 a.m. It sounds early and it sounds like it'd be hard. And it is hard wow. some days. But, Today it was hard. <laughs> I, what, and, and Caitlin's laughing in the background. Honestly, I wasn't 100% sure whether or not you were serious, Luke, but you're serious. Oh, 5 a.m. Dead serious. Okay. Dead serious. Yeah. And that's actually, it is that we'll be totally transparent. It's a newer thing we've been doing, Okay. but it has been wonderful for our business and for our personal life too. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those things where it sucks. <laughs> and I'm, I I listened to a guy... I, I don't know if you're familiar with Zig Ziglar at yeah, all, yeah, but, he's, but um, his, he's, one of his lines is basically saying that don't call it an alarm clock, call it an opportunity clock. So mm. basically that's what I go to shut off that opportunity clock every morning at 5 a.m. <laughs> and uh, that's, I mean, I get out of bed, it's got it's to happen. I got to pull yeah. Caitlin out of bed. She's, <laughs> she loves to sleep a little bit more yeah. than I do, but we do it and we get up, get up and go work out so we can have everything done and get started to work around 7 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, it's crazy how much more we get done with just an extra hour in the day. And that I feel like really allows us to have more time <laughs> in our evenings for the things we love. And we'll even call it quits for work a little earlier if we've gotten everything done. But we're both morning people, so we're very yeah. productive in the morning. So we just decided to kind of run our schedule around around that fact. So. That's interesting. You know, I was going to actually ask you about that, the saying that you're morning people. I've recently had multiple conversations actually on the podcast about this idea of getting up early despite or getting started the day early despite not, quote, being morning people. Uh, because yeah. I think ultimately a lot of that is just learned behavior, right? And, and yes. that can be changed a lot. of, And there are people talking about it as though, this is just who they are and it's not even a possibility or an option. But the reality is we can change behavior. We can change patterns uh, yeah. if, if we believe that it's possible. Um, but yeah. I, the fact that you guys are both morning people, I guess, kind of gives you a leg up to begin with if that just came <laughs> natural anyway. But 5 a.m. is really early. Would you say like you're, you're able to shut down earlier in the day? Would you say that you carry more energy through the day when you get up that early or does it take a while to wake up? What's the actual feeling of the experience like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Actually, we've we've since we've started getting up earlier, it's been we've been had more energy throughout the yeah. day. It's 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 crazy. It's I mean, crazy. we also eat a very I mean, I'm on a strict whole foods diet. 
just for health reasons. So yeah. I've got to eat whole foods and that's 10 to, that makes me a lot more energized throughout the day anyway. <laughs> sure. But, um, Caitlin, who's not on as restricted of diet, yeah. she's actually felt better throughout, the, throughout yeah. the day. I feel way better. And I think too, that just waking up that early, like you said, it is a total choice, but I'm not as much of a morning person as Luke is. Luke makes me look terrible in that area. <laughs> but yeah, we have so much more energy for work. I used to really struggle since I am a morning person with motivation in the afternoon. Okay. And now I feel like I can just power through work until we have to be done. It's literally the strangest thing. So. Yeah. No, but it also, I mean, in reality, like you said, it does end up saying, we don't have to stay at work as long. So yeah. we, we generally say, okay, from seven till three, we'll be at work, yeah. quote unquote. Yep. And then from three to five ish is when we call it our education period. So that's when yeah. we're going to be reading or listening to podcasts at that point. So it's, we're still educating ourselves consistently, mm -hmm. I love that. but we're not doing, you know, the sitting in front of the computer kind of work at that point. Yeah. I love that actually. That's really good. Now I've kind of, I say traditionally for the longest time, my, my, quote, schedule has been to tackle the education stuff in the morning. But it's interesting to think about going ahead and giving as much energy as possible to whatever tasks are going to most effectively move your business forward first thing, and then exactly, pushing yeah. the stuff that doesn't take quite as much effort toward the end of the day. And I love the fact that you guys are both finishing. I mean, you're, you're finishing by about three. So you didn't have this two hour period where you can just kind of chill a bit take in some information. I could also see, you know, there's something that I've been considering doing a little bit more of, which is just kind of this proactive engagement on Instagram. We have somebody mm -hmm. that runs Instagram for Boca and, and for photographers edit Haley, who also helps produce the podcast. But mm -hmm. yeah. um, just me personally, because so much of what I do in the industry is tied to my personal brand, just making a little bit more of an effort or on a personal level to engage on Instagram. That also doesn't take a ton of effort or mental clarity as maybe some of the bigger yeah. tasks that are going to move my business forward. And so doing something like that in the afternoon might be great too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think too, I mean, just like you said before, with it being a choice to wake up, it is a choice. We have control over the yeah. schedule of the day and we have that as a blessing and the freedom to be able to um, decide what the best time of day is per task. Mm. And so, yeah, it's tempting to kind of ease into the day, but we found if we just dive in head first, especially if we wake up with a workout right away, it's really no problem to tackle the big things first. That's so. cool. Okay. So the workout yeah. is part of that, that kickoff to the day then? Uh, it is. Yeah, it it kind of has to. Be. to yeah. <laughs> that's that's what wakes me up. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. One hundred percent. Well, that's cool. I, and I have to just go ahead and ask because you seem very proactive in the way that you're managing your time, Caitlin and Luke. Do you have a particular style of workout that is also like the place to this idea of efficiency and and proactive time management? Yeah, definitely. So I am definitely a cardio person. I know zero things about lifting or anything like that. So we actually um, are really blessed to have a treadmill in our house. It actually came with our house when we moved here no way. back in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> so it's wonderful. We can just hop down to the basement. And obviously, like you said, we're pretty practical with our schedule. So we have it structured out even after only doing this for a little while where I hop on the treadmill first, Luke walks the dog, and then we kind of are able to alternate what we're doing or okay. using and getting ready. Um, and then we do um, finish out our morning routine with some Bible time and prayer and just even being silent for a few minutes together yes. um, before getting ready and starting the day. So we kind of have it down to a science, I guess. That's but cool. yeah, it works out well. And how yeah, long is that, that kind of total morning routine before you actually start work? 
what two hours probably five two to hours seven. i'd say yeah. i mean some days if i get in there early enough i get in by 6 30 okay um but that's that just depends on the yeah. day and and how much so i'm not a big cardio guy i'll right. do cardio every other day so i don't because caitlin and i would then have to fight over the treadmill <laughs> um so, so i do a push-up and sit-up workout and it's just an app that i do that it gets you up to uh, the goal is to be able to do 100 push-ups consistently and then the other one is 200 sit-ups and it's just it's a slow, it's supposed to be from your couch to that, that point. So okay. I'm working, working through that. And that's cool. I, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really good. I like the actual aspect of that instead of doing cardio. Yeah. But much. yeah, about five to seven is our five morning to seven. time. Yeah. I love that. That's really, really cool. And you, you also alluded to quiet time and a devotional time. Is that, yeah. that's a really great segue to my next question, which has to do with being more present, more focused, more centered. Is, yeah. Would you say that that yeah. is kind of the driving factor in that effort? A hundred percent. Yeah. We definitely both feel a major difference when we don't start our day the right way, yeah. uh, whether that's sleeping in and skipping that or whatever. It's just not, we just feel off for the rest of the day. So yeah, we definitely do some of that together, some separate, and it's just a really good way to start the day quiet before we get into the busy and the noise of the world for the entire rest of the day, obviously, yes. especially with running a business and stuff. But yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I feel like centered us, centers us at the beginning of every single day for yeah. sure. That's yeah. really, really great. And talk to me yeah. about an impactful book. Um, and, and this could be both of you. Maybe you each have a separate book that you that you just really love. But what's one of the most impactful books that you've read in the last few years? Sure. Yeah, great question. Well, uh, I don't want to be the stereotypical Christian, but I'm going <laughs> – We obviously, we're going to say the Bible is yeah. the most impact. I mean, that's the that's the one book that I'm in every single day. Sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. If, we're, if we're talking about – if we're talking about business, Caitlin and I both have different books in that, yeah, sure. in that aspect. And mine was actually – mine is one that's fairly new that just came out. Um, I follow Seth Godin a lot. He's a real smart marketing guy. Yep. Um, but he just came out with This Is Marketing. You can't be seen until you learn to see. And that is – probably one of the best marketing books that anyone could read. And I would recommend anyone. Really? You flew through it. And it's just the, the concept that comes back to relationships. It's yeah. not about just mass marketing, getting billboards and all that stuff like it used to be. Yeah. It's about creating those relationships with people. And, you know, it's just, that's what things are changing. People want to have relationships. And it's funny because we're in a culture where everything is basically becoming so impersonal mm. that now we're all craving that relationship again. So mm. that's why I, I thought it was a really good book and I'd recommend yeah. it to anyone that's, that's looking for marketing help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you said this is marketing. You can't be seen until you learn to see. I actually just pulled it up on Amazon here real quick. Yeah. So we'll make sure to uh -huh. link to that in the show notes. The thing that I love, yeah. one of the things I love about Seth, and I've read quite a bit of his work, um, is his ability to be able to to communicate an idea concisely, uh, yeah. efficiently, yeah. efficiently to play on that idea that we were talking about earlier. Um, there's yeah. not a ton of fluff. I don't feel like in comparison to some other authors and I, I really appreciate about them or appreciate that about him. And it, it is, it makes it easier to kind of breeze through a book like you were talking about. Yeah, ex exactly. And, and that was, uh, I mean, that was really good. I also, I mean, besides book, because I want to make this realistic. Yeah. I grew up not reading books. I did what I had to. And I've, sure. I've kind of had that pursuit of learning. But um, now it's like, okay, I went from reading articles. That's how we started our business. I read every, every yeah. business article I get my hands on. And now I'm getting more into books and now looking towards my future. Okay, how can I learn? just about business in general. And mm -hmm. I mean, Seth always puts out good material, mm -hmm. but we got this, we actually got his recommendation for this book off of uh, Dave Ramsey's read, a reading list that he recommended. There's a hundred books on that list. Okay. Yeah, we're My, trying to work through it. We've got a goal. <laughs> so I, we can definitely send you a link to that if you don't have yes. that already. And that's, there's a lot of good business books and it's not yeah. just, I mean, it's from every aspect of business from 
customer support to marketing yeah. to just general business. Everything. You know, so yep. it's it's really good. We've been working through it that <laughs> slowly. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll definitely link to that book. And then if you send us the list too, we can link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Sure. For those listening in, the show notes at Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, that's awesome. Sometimes the various podcast apps can format the show notes in a bit of an odd way. So you can just jump over to bocapodcast.com and see those show notes. And Haley does a wonderful job putting together all the resources from uh, from the episodes. What, what about you, Caitlin? Is there a particular book that sticks out to you that you've read? Definitely. So I would second what Luke said about the Bible, specifically for me, um, just because so much of our business is centered on loving people really well. And I've learned everything about that from scripture. So obviously starting the day with that really um, motivates me business-wise. But I started our business very young when I was in high school, which I'm sure we'll chat more about later. But the book I read first, pretty much my first business book was Worth Every Penny by Aaron Verbeck and Sarah Petty. And huh. it literally, I read it like three times. I think I've read it at least a couple of times since then, wow. since high school, but I love that book. It's just, um, it's all about running a boutique business. And it just was, it really introduced me to the concept of running a business that is not just for everybody. It's for serving people. It's for marketing to a very certain ideal client. And oh, it just shaped my business in the early years. So would 100% recommend that one. And the name of it one more time, you said? Yeah, it's Worth Every Penny. Worth Every Penny. Okay, we'll have to to link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Is this something that you can also get on Amazon? Yes, it definitely is. I actually checked that this morning. So yep, it's right there for you. Perfect. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. We actually had Sarah on the podcast quite some time ago, episode number 38. Um, It's been a while, but... Um, they're they're quite the dynamic duo. And speaking of energy, the energy that they carry is pretty incredible too. <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really great. Okay, so we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Let's talk yeah. just a little bit about your background as photographers. Give us the like the the, the three minute version of your your road <laughs> to where you're at now as professional photographers. Let me just start off. I'm not. I'm gonna let Caitlin explain this because she started. But <laughs> this is hard to do in three minutes. Just so you know, so. <laughs> well, I'll go as fast as I can. It's been a long journey. So yeah. Um. So I actually was homeschooled from kindergarten through senior year of high school. Okay. Um. So that really gave me. I always say not the time, just the flexibility to be able to work my schedule around starting a business when I was 15. So wow. started my business when my mom had to still drive me to shoots because I didn't have my um. I had my permit, but not my license That's yet. That's awesome. So, shout out to my parents. So I started in high school when I couldn't drive and um, initially kind of got started with seniors and families and things like that. Had zero intention of ever shooting a single wedding. I was not interested at all. I wanted to avoid it as much as I could. Why why did you want um, to avoid it? (laughs) Honestly, um, back when I started my business, I was just a completely different person. I was incredibly shy. I was not comfortable in front of people. And to be totally honest, it was fear. It was just the idea of having to run an entire wedding day. I just had no literal idea how someone could pull that off. So I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea, especially when you go to shoot that first wedding, the idea oh that the responsibility that you're taking on and knowing that you have little control over how that day is going to play out and you have to, in some ways, just kind of react to it, but do so effectively, yeah. that's, that's, it can be overwhelming. Exactly. A hundred percent. So yeah, I ended up um, second shooting, not even really second shooting. I just followed around a photographer for the day <laughs> one summer and yeah. just fell in love with it. And even though I just had no idea how I went to bed that night, knowing it was what I had to do for the rest of my life. So totally a God thing because it was not, there was no way to explain that besides him, but um, it was awesome. So I didn't shoot my first wedding by myself until the summer after. And that was the week after I graduated high school. So I used all my graduation money to buy a Canon 5D Mark III 
free, but nice. <laughs> so it was great using my money. But um, yeah, the following year in 2014, Luke and I actually met. Um, I knew he had a small photography business earlier in college, which is so funny. That's kind of how we connected. Okay. Okay. But we both knew each other, kind of had an interest. So we started dating that fall, right? Yeah. I had some lenses that I actually bargained (laughs) for when I asked her out on the first day. You know, you can can go out with me. You can have one of these lenses. (laughs) That's very false. But I was very impressed that he had an 85. He did use my lenses after that. (laughs) This is pretty great. So anyways, he, I was in nursing school at the time. I was studying business. So my business was still kind of on the back burner. It was just, I mean, it's the only job I've ever had, but was not even close to ready to take it full time or anything. But long story short, we got engaged the next year. And then six months before Luke was supposed to graduate as a nurse and six months before we were supposed to get married and support ourselves, Luke decided, and I guess we decided together. Christmas day, I decided. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, right. Merry Christmas, babe. So he decided to quit nursing school and we just decided to go for it. We knew that if he didn't quit when he did, that we would probably never make the leap because we would just be off and going with our life and marriage. And so we decided to just give it our best shot. So in January of 2016, we made the leap and we were not expected to make a lot of money that year. So we had to work like crazy. Um, but yeah, long story short, it worked. We worked like crazy that year and we've been full time since about six months before we got married. So it's been a crazy ride. Yeah. What a cool backstory though. And, and again, and I've said this a few times on the podcast, but I would say kudos to you guys for just going for it, right? Because at the end of the day, we can sit around and, and analyze and overthink and overprocess, and and it's good. I think there is definitely something to be said for having a bit of structure to the way that we approach this, to be aware of the money that we need to make and the business mm-hmm. model that we want to create that's reflective of our goals. And, and um, yeah. of course, that then trickles down to the type of clients that we're going to target and what we're going to charge. I mean, there's various factors to consider, but at the end of the day, we have to just do it, right? It's, it's yeah. one thing to talk about it and consider it. But it's another thing to do it. And we sometimes just need to take the leap and, and go for it. And I love that, yeah. that you all did that. And uh, exactly. I'm so glad that it's played out well for you too. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> so are we. Yeah. We are very glad. But yeah, it's been great. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't think if we had not made the leap then, I'm not sure we ever would have done it. So I'm glad we at least gave it our best shot. And I think that's one of the reasons we did succeed is we had to. We had no other choice. You know, it needed to work. It was sink or swim. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you guys have moved really quickly through this process of starting a business and then getting to the place that you're at now. And one of my favorite questions, honestly, in this section of the interview is about the piece of advice that you would give to a fellow photographer based on what you've learned. And you don't have you know, 20 years of experience. It's, it's a shorter mm-hmm. amount of time, but you've learned a lot. You've grown a lot. What would you say would be the piece of advice that you'd want to give to whether it's an, uh, an, an experienced photographer or mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a new photographer if you had 15 seconds to give them that piece of advice? Definitely. That's a great question. So we have two things. To Can we have us. 15 seconds each? No. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so um, mine would be, and I know this is kind of a buzzword in the industry right now, building relationships and stuff. But for us, we always say it's way more about the people than it's about the photos. Yeah. And I would just remind either a new photographer or an established one to remember that because in both situations, it's very easy to forget that and just focus on your craft and the money and the business and all those things. But for us, our business has always worked the best when we have focused the most on people. Yeah. Um, mine is, is pretty simple. It is always keep learning. There's so much you can learn. There's, and if you get in on cruise control, someone's going to come in (laughs) and someone's going to keep learning and they're going to surpass you. So if you're not learning, if you're not networking, you're going to lose your business eventually. You may be okay now, but in five years from now, 
someone's going to come out and surprise you. Yeah. Never get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get comfortable. And, and I think along with that, um, it, you know, this, this notion of uh, not only being aware, Luke, as you're pointing out, but then being proactive in response to it, right? So it's easy. I mean, I've, again, I've, having been in the industry now, as long as I have, I've seen a lot of negativity, a lot of complaining and whining, and this thing is happening, yeah. and these newbies are doing this, and you know, yes. shoot and burn, mm-hmm. and and there's just there's been a lot of complaining that I've seen. Meanwhile. Our, our culture and the market continues to develop regardless of these people sitting around complaining. It doesn't really do them or their businesses, or for that matter, really the industry, a whole lot of good. So the question now is, this is the direction the market is going. Likely, your complaining is not going to do anything about it. So mm-hmm. how can you react in the most proactive way possible yeah. in order to yeah. go with, go where the market, where the industry is going, where culture is going? And so I, I love that focus. But then back to your point, Caitlin, uh, personal experience uh, or personal mm. relationship more specifically that's something that mm-hmm. is on your website that you say our number one priority is making sure you feel loved known and cared for from the moment you inquire with us and we make mm-hmm. it our mission to become lifelong friends with each Caitlin and Luke couple we serve and yeah. I, I like the way that uh, we actually had a conversation before I had the record button about relationships and a lot of people talk about that the question of course is whether mm-hmm. or not they follow through on it but the way yeah. that you phrase this, uh, making sure you feel loved. I don't. I honestly don't know that I've ever seen on a photographer's website that particular <laughs> phrase. Will you comment on that just a little bit? Absolutely. So I don't know how familiar you are with the Enneagram, but I am an Enneagram too, which means I am naturally a pretty loving and helpful person. Yeah. So I think that we kind of try to infuse that into our business. So it seems very natural to me to just say that to our couples. And yeah, 100%. And like we try to be as tr- transparent and authentic as possible. And we really do mean that. We become really great friends with all of our couples. And we have evaluated our, our entire client experience multiple times since we started, especially our yearly retreats that we do to make sure that every single step that we're doing, not only are we going way above and beyond our clients' practical expectations as far as the things that every wedding photographer should be doing with shooting and delivering photos and stuff, but also that they feel immensely known and loved Mm. um, throughout each of those steps. And that just really, you have to be friends with them. Otherwise, that's awkward, you know, to to be trying to portray that. So it just, it has come naturally to us to just keep infusing that into our brand and our business. And we have gotten to be such great friends with so many of our couples. We're in a small group now with the couple whose wedding we shot first together, I believe. Um, We grab dinner with people if we're in the city where they're living. Well, I just had a phone call with a bride yesterday where we were working on her timeline. And we spent the second half of the call talking about her puppy and the bachelor. Like it's just, it's become the the best combination in the world. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, it's definitely probably a unique thing, but we mean every word of it. And I think that we've experienced so much more joy as business owners running it in that way. And it's just brought so much meaning and purpose to what we do. So I I can very much relate to you, Caitlin, and this desire to connect with people and to make them feel feel cared for. Um, and yeah. to the extent maybe that I, I, I might, my expectations may not be realistic in the sense that I, I think that it is possible to connect with people beyond the surface level way more than we normally do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that we're wired as human beings to, to at least focus our efforts and energy when it comes to relationships on a smaller community of people. But, mm-hmm. at, you know, sitting down, whether it's some random person in, in, on the airplane that I'm sitting next to for a short mm-hmm. trip or somebody that I meet at a conference, or somebody that I can have a conversation with at a coffee shop, I think there's an opportunity there to truly engage with them 
and yeah. help them feel cared for, even just by genuinely listening and empathizing yes. with them, yeah. um, that will make them feel cared for in a way that they're probably not even used to experiencing, not only with strangers, but in some cases, sadly, even with those that are relatively close to them. What do you think yeah. about that? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think weddings just in general bring out the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think it's a very um, volatile and sensitive time in a lot of people's lives, especially with, like you said, maybe family, family relationships or friendships or things like that. And so I think it's a very unique opportunity, which I love that you use that word as well, that we have to get to love people during this time, not even just our couples, but their families and their bridal party yeah. and their guests and their vendors. So we try to take it a step further and make sure we're caring for really everybody that we are coming across throughout the experience. So one of our favorite quotes is that people won't often remember what you said. It'll be more how you made them feel. And we try to really make sure that we're <laughs> infusing that into all what we do. Yep. That's it. Yep. And it's a powerful quote for sure. Yeah, definitely. Talk to us a little bit about the the brand position uh, of your company. I mean, what? how would you say, what, what does your brand represent, your photography business represent as a, kind of an ideal, a mission that separates you from other photography businesses? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hate to just harp on, this. Harp on the yes. same same thing, but it's yeah. it's literally, it's it's love. It's, it's funny that it's like mm-hmm. we're talking about love and marriage, but it's it's a different kind of love. It's what you were just talking about. It's, it's a love. It's the idea to serve by serving people the way you want to be served. I mean, mm-hmm. loving people the way you want to be loved, going above and beyond, mm-hmm. always smiling, even when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like when we, when we walk into a wedding day, we're smiling. We walk out of a wedding day, we're still smiling, even though every bit of us wants to be like, holy cow, we're I, exhausted. I need <laughs> a hot tub right now. Um, but it's, <laughs> It really comes down to just loving people insane, yeah. insanely. I mean, it's just like we want to go above and beyond when it comes to that. Yeah. And um, Caitlin is a lot better at that than I am. Mm-hmm. I am I am not a two on an Enneagram. <laughs> so um, that is something I have to learn in. And that's something I have to learn from her in. But um, I love more of, about talking with people like you had mentioned. So being there and being able to talk with the grooms and being able to um, just help them feel comfortable. Because I know how what it was like to get my my photos taken on wedding day. And I'm a wedding photographer. I didn't really enjoy taking photos of my wedding. Yeah, you know? And we had a great photographer. Yeah, exactly. exactly so, yeah. so it's all about yeah. creating those relationships, showing them love and also just going above and beyond. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, those are things that, you know, a lot of people can say, um, we just pride ourselves in doing that and try to do that. We're not trying to, you know, we're not promising this, this, and this, and this, we're just saying, we're going to show up on your wedding day with a smile on our face. We're going to love you the best we can. We're going to be the first ones to say, we're going to go get you a water if you need it. Or yeah. if you've got to, you know, if you left something in another room, we're going to be the first ones to do that because that's what we want to be yeah. remembered as. Yeah, definitely. And then I would also add to that, um, as far as positioning ourselves in our market, we also are, at least to my knowledge, one of the only husband and wife teams in our area and one of the only photo video teams in our area. So I think that both of those things, coupled with what Luke said about our focus on caring for people. I think that has really set us apart in our industry as a whole. Yeah. Did I read somewhere on your website? I'm actually trying to scroll through and look back again now, but I did, did I read somewhere on your website, a quote, a comment about how you actually prioritize the relationship over the photo. Is that a statement that I saw? Yes. Yep. That would be correct. So that I, that's a really bold statement. And, and I think yeah. we've kind of covered why that statement would even exist on your website. You're, you're <laughs> going beyond just saying, Hey, we focus on relationships because of course, frankly, right. we hear that from a lot of photographers. You're actually doing yeah. it and, and, and not only making a bold statement, but actually following through on that. 
And I, and yeah. I think that's really great. And the, the word service was mentioned. And mm-hmm. that mentality, I mean, it's a good reminder for me, even for my personal life, also for my business, that I'm focusing on service taking care of somebody else the way that I would want to be taken care of. And the yeah. difficult thing for me in that is not expecting the same thing in return. Um, yeah. That can be a bit of a challenge, but ultimately providing that type of care and concern and kindness and empathy for somebody, uh, mm-hmm. because ultimately I know that would make me feel good too. And um, I, I love the focus on service. It, it kind of pushes ego aside. It put, pushes this, this yeah. um, kind of, high and mighty notion of being a so-called artists aside, Um, not that it can't exist, but for the sake of prioritizing the relationship and serving that the client, I think I I just really, really love that focus. And and I love that you all bring that to your brand. Let's go, let's shift in a little bit of a different direction though, Uh, just briefly, because this is a fun conversation. Talk to us about (laughs) a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we actually went with the Mark fours this past year and Caitlin is in love with I'm the things. Obsessed. I mean, just adding the touchscreen to it. Yeah. Okay. But when it, for me personally, my my video, I, I'm in more into video than than into photos, and I'm loving the Sony A7 III, and uh, that was a that just came out last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean the thing's got like uh, up to two hundred thousand ISO. Wow. And it's got dual record, which you know you can't find these in Canons until yes. you get, you're spending five six thousand dollars for video at least right. SD card and this thing's $2,000. So, I mean, it's, it's a really good camera for, for $2,000 and it does the job really well. Yeah. And it's mirrorless, which is awesome. Wow. We don't use it for photos, but I'm loving it for video. Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing we were talking about when we were talking about gear was uh, <laughs> we started using walkie talkies for wedding yeah. days this past year and it's been life changing. Right? So yeah. they're not the most comfortable things to wear in the world. I did not, I was not prepared for that, but they have uh, changed the game for us. And I think they're so impressive to our couples. Our couples are like, you guys look like secret agents. Like, <laughs> Like you look so legit. Yes. And they are just so impressed that we're you know, able to communicate and it's helped the flow of the, especially the beginning of the day so much. Yeah. So that's a fun little extra. But you know, I, I totally would agree with that. I, I used to use them with my business partner as well when I was shooting yeah. and they really are, yeah. they come in handy. You don't have to have yeah. your phone out and texting, which can be a, yes. that's a whole topic in and of itself. Just a quick call on, on the walkie and, and you get to the other person, ask them a quick question or remind them something's coming up, whatever it might be. But that yeah. is great. Do you have a particular brand or type of uh, walkie that you recommend? I, I think the only one that we got, it was just some generic. I didn't. I don't even know what the brand. To tell yeah. you the truth, I'm honest here. I don't even know which brand it yeah. was. We were recommended <laughs> by some other photographer, and she just had the links to Amazon. I'm like, yep. okay, you recommend it? Okay. They you weren't even my- that expensive, but we did end up buying the headsets to go with it, right? Just a little generic. Yeah, which we, we've got yeah. all that stuff. We can give you the links to that. Yeah, that's definitely. no big deal. We've That'd be awesome. Okay, we'll get you yeah. the links for that. Amazon's the greatest. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, that is very true. And yeah, we'll make sure, if, if you don't mind, then we'll put those in the show notes as well for those listening sure. in definitely. who might be curious. But yeah, yeah communication is everything on, I mean, just so many levels, especially when it comes to business. And yeah. on that wedding day, if you're working with somebody else, whether it's a second shooter or a business partner or a significant other, whatever it might be, yeah. keeping that communication lines open is really important. So that that's a great idea. By the way, you mentioned, Luke, that you're not using the Sony camera for photos. Is there a reason that you're not? Well, um, I don't really like the electronic viewfinder okay. and with the mirrorless camera. So yep. we're so used to seeing, you know, mm-hmm. seeing through the mirror. And it's just it's totally different when you get that electronic viewfinder in there. And you know, and we're so used to Canon that I'm just like, I, we'd have to buy all new lenses. Right now we're yeah. we're just using the adapter to be able to 
to use our Canon glass on the Sony at this point, yeah. but it's just like, you know, we just didn't want to make the jump. I was considering it last year because Sony's coming out with some good stuff. Yeah. And Caitlin's just like, you know, I'm so used <laughs> to Canon. I don't know if we want to swap everything out, yeah. you know, before we start a wedding season. So yeah. but I get it's it. been a thought. Yeah, yeah. The, the, as much as the technology, I mean, as you're pointing out, particularly Sony leading the way with mirrorless cameras, the technology is developing incredibly and very quickly. There mm-hmm. is something about that electronic viewfinder. I was playing with the Fuji X-T2, and I've commented about this on the, on the podcast before, um, not very long ago. And I was so, I was just, I loved the form factor. It was small, yeah. the, the functionality, the ergos of the, the dials, the buttons on the camera. I mean, uh-huh. it just, in general, it was a really impressive piece of gear. But that electronic viewfinder, it feels... I don't know. There's something that kind of takes me back, like all this wonderful technology. And I peek through that thing and it looks, it just, it looks bad. Uh, just to, to yeah. put it very simply, I, I'm not impressed by that, that one element of it. And I wish that that wasn't the case because everything else is so impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you got, I mean, if you, if you spent like six months doing it and yeah. it's just weird when you change the exposure and it actually changes with your, you know, when you're looking through that, sure. it just messes with you because you're used <laughs> to just looking at a mirror and you change the settings and nothing happens. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's better. I'm sure you could learn it, but like yeah. when you're used to Canon, Nikon, that kind of stuff, mirrored cameras, it's just, yeah, it's a totally different <laughs> ball game. <laughs> I will say though, I think it probably, I would assume anyway, that it probably helps minimize the need for looking at the back of the camera through the day sure. if, yeah. if you see what you're about to shoot as you make adjustments. I think that's pretty cool. But um, yeah. yeah, the thing that threw me was that the actual quality of that image, and I can't speak to the exact specifications, the resolution that are in these viewfinders, but yeah, there, there was something that just didn't have the, I mean, it certainly didn't have the same feel, but it even kind of, it seemed like a step backwards in some ways, that, yeah. like a toy, yeah. looking through a toy or something. It was kind of odd, but I get that. Uh-huh. Um, it yeah. is, it's pretty fascinating to see the way that technology has improved, um, and, and again, so quickly. But I will also say too, and, and this has come up on the podcast, that it is especially for those listening in and especially if you're getting started and you've got a minimal budget for buying gear, the gear that I shot with, let's say 15 years ago, um, or it'd be about 13 or 14 years ago. I'm thinking about the Nikon D1X, which mm-hmm. was one of the first, not not the first uh, digital camera, certainly that Nikon put out, but one of the first that finally uh, you could be confident in. Uh, it was under six megapixels and uh, wow. the dynamic range was terrible <laughs> But what I will say is that it, the end result, if you were intelligent about the way that you were exposing an image and you were mm. aware of light and you're aware of your surroundings, yeah. that you could actually get a, a beautiful image out of, mm. out of the camera. It's, a lot of it is about technique and knowing how to use mm-hmm. the piece of equipment that you've got. It's not about buying the latest and the greatest. And so while yes. the technology is incredible and it is fun to get the new toys, and I'm, I'm one of the first person yeah. to <laughs> raise my hands when it comes to that. Um, for our, for the sake of our listeners, I would also encourage you to learn to use the gear that you've got because yes. you can make it work yeah. and, and more than make it work. You can turn it into a beautiful finished image. Yeah. Exactly. We need to get an amen on that one for crying <laughs> out loud. It's not about the equipment. It's, yeah. It is literally learning how to use the equipment. And that yes. is, that is the one thing that separates the men from the boys at that point. <laughs> we grew slow with buying gear. We wanted to buy it all without going into debt and things like that. So we rented some for a while and we always made sure we had completely outgrown current gear before investing in more. So we could not agree more. With that. Yeah. Well, and Caitlin, I've got to ch- chime in for you here, separating the women from the, the girls. Yeah, exactly. Here, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, let's, let's, you know, we've talked a lot about relationships with our clients today, and I'd like to kind of piggyback on that and get into our, our main focus for our conversation today, which has to do with turnaround time and more specifically how to speed it up. 
because it sounds like mm-hmm. you all have developed a workflow, which means very, very quick turnaround time. Mm-hmm. And what we talk about as important as images are, at the end of the day, the client experience likely, um, and I would argue this pretty much all day long, actually plays a more important role than you know, that the nuanced details of the images that we many times pay attention to, the client yeah. experience trumps that even. And yeah. a significant part of that client experience is turnaround time. So I'd love to start first with what your business looked like before prioritizing turnaround time, if you'd be willing to share. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a funny answer to this. So from when I started at 15, it has always been a major priority for us. So even when I was in high school, I just had this sense when I was thinking about ways I could separate myself from my very saturated market full of people much older than me, that one of the ways that I could practically stand apart or stand out and set myself apart from all these other photographers was delivering images really fast. So even when I was delivering galleries of seniors and families and little ones, I mean, from the start, it has been a really quick turnaround. And I think that's one of the things that helped me grow very quick when I was young. And so we have just kept rolling with it ever since, but it actually, there was never really a before we had this turnaround. So the only thing I would say is that we only recently started outsourcing editing, which has made it even simpler to turn around um, our images really quickly. So there definitely wasn't before outsourcing as far (laughs) as turnaround time goes, but we still just had to be the ones doing the work to get the photos turned around that fast. But that's definitely the outsourcing has changed the game. Wow. Well, so that's a good segue into my next question, which is the workflow. What does this actually look like? Can you break it down, the turnaround time, what it looks like for client proofs, prints, albums, that type of thing, just to give our listeners a point of reference? Definitely. So it's most helpful for us when we hear how other people do things so we can kind of take little bits and pieces and stuff. So I'll just kind of run through from when we shoot a wedding because it's a pretty quick process. But so normally we would shoot a wedding on a Saturday. We don't work on Sundays ever at all. It's yeah. wonderful. So first thing Monday morning, Luke's first job is to call the whole wedding. Okay. So he will call the whole wedding and then Monday. And then, uh, I've got to do oh, this yes. without watching Netflix to be more efficient. Okay. So I spent my, oh, my a lot goodness. of 2018 watching Netflix while doing this. Yep. And it would took me twice as much time. Yeah. Well, you 100%. think it's kind of a mindless yeah. task, yeah. but you can get it done a lot faster when you focus. Yeah. Okay. You but let's works. make that even more specific because this I know this is a, a common practice for, for yeah. photography business owners. They, they put Netflix on in the background while they're doing, yes. whether it's editing or album design or whatever it might yeah. be. And you're, you're a hundred percent correct. As, as yeah. good as some people claim to be at multitasking, <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> eating into the efficiency of getting that task so done. So true. So yes. what was it like? What's the difference in time for calling when you were using Netflix and not watching Netflix? <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you in, in 45 minute show increments. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, oh um, so I would say it probably took me probably around three hours when I was watching Netflix and I could probably do it now in about an hour and a half. So probably cut half Crazy. the time. Uh, wow. Uh, wow. But I just, and I, I was, I would catch myself just stopping what I was doing and watching when something interesting came on, right. I would notice that I don't know how long yeah. I would sit there and actually watch. And then Caitlin would also mention it while she's over there working. I'm watching, watching TV and acting like I'm working, doing, doing this calling stuff. So it's just, yeah, I'm like, it, yeah. It's, it seemed like it was smart to, okay, let's have something on in the background, yes. but it just ends up never working out for you at that point. Yep. I love that you bring that, that point up. Okay, so you shoot the wedding Monday morning, culling, and then what, what's next? 
Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as that's called, he pulls it into a Lightroom catalog for me. I go through and pick to a quick collection about 200 to 250 photos. So we edit quite a few for the blog and for um, outsourcing editing, which I'll kind of get into in a minute. But I go ahead and quick edit those um, for the blog. And then as soon as those are done, those get uploaded to a gallery and sent to our virtual assistant. And she has access to our pre-wedding questionnaire where our couples are able to list all of their vendors for their wedding. So she will go ahead and download all the photos from the gallery that I sent her that I've already edited. She will blog stomp those for us, make sure the SEO for the post is looking good. Um, and then she will also credit all the vendors in the bottom of the post, which any photographer knows takes forever, especially if you have, you know, a ton of vendors involved. Yeah, for sure. so she does all that for us. So that's usually ready Monday night or Tuesday morning. And then I will pop in there, um, finish writing the posts that I need to write um, to our couples, just describing the day and stuff. That goes live on Tuesday. And can I jump and in then, really quick and ask yeah. you, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious, why so many images on the blog? Yeah. So one of the main reasons, um, besides just wanting to show a really accurate representation of the day for them, one of the main reasons is for outsourcing our editing. When we outsource it, we send those edited images with it, and then they're able to sync the images to those. And we feel like we are actually a lot more satisfied with the images that we're getting in return when they have something to match it to, because they're not in our brains, you know, the people editing. And so yeah. if they have photos from each portion of the day, um, they can just edit to exactly what we'd be looking for from each portion. And it has just really streamlined the outsourcing process for us. Yeah, we started off actually sending off probably less than 50 and assuming that because they had some images, they could they could go off and say, okay, this is how we would edit it in their, in their eyes. And, and now that we've added more, you know, mm -hmm. closer to 200, 250, we get back perfect images yeah. and we don't, don't have, have to, to do as much. It. Pretty much Caitlin just looks at them, looks them over, make sure there's no significant changes. And we yeah. export those babies and, yeah. and, and upload them to a gallery at that point. Yeah. Wow. We okay. also... Yeah, I should point out too that we um, we have a pretty simple editing style. So what sounds like probably a lot of photos to edit doesn't actually take me that long. So we're really big on shooting really well in camera. And so we really try to minimize the work that we'll have to do later in post. Yeah. So our, our standard import preset pretty much takes care of everything. So it doesn't actually take me all that long, even with that many photos. So Oh, and I love that you said import preset too, by the way, because this yes. is something that I encourage our, our clients and photographers edit um, with as well, or just photographers in general. Um, it's certainly part of our workflow at Photographers Edit, which is to import with a preset that, assuming, as you pointed out, Caitlin, that the image has been captured accurately in the camera, that preset yes. applies, it should be ready to export to JPEG. That would be yeah. the, that's the ultimate goal, right? Of course, we exactly. know that some images will have to be adjusted in one form or another, but sure. um, starting with that import preset instead of going through like many photographers do, and this of course adds to the amount of time, especially if they're doing their own editing where they've got, you know, 50 different presets to go through and oh they're, they're, they're experimenting with this one and this image. And then, oh, that's, that doesn't mm -hmm. look good. Let me try this one here. And they do a little bit of this one or some may not have, you know, a, a huge group of presets. Maybe they have five, mm -hmm. but they still have five and, and they're going to apply mm -hmm. different presets to different images based on the lighting scenario or whatever else. And it just complicates the workflow. And I, I love the idea of having a primary preset that creates kind of a baseline finish for your images mm -hmm. that once you've made a basic adjustments to could readily be exported to JPEG and delivered to your client. I think that's really smart. Yeah, we really, I mean, we shoot so that we can deliver our raws if we had to. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to, but we want our preset to just be a, a pop. Enhancing it. Yeah, we don't want it yeah. to be something that takes over what we've shot. We yes. want our, our image to just, just pop a little bit, but we want to really be able to say, it really prides us when we 
come home from a shoot and we said, okay, we could deliver these raws really if we wanted to. That's cool. You know, and, and yeah. that's what we try to, if we can shoot to deliver raws, yeah. then our preset will do its job yeah. and, and it, it'll definitely be more efficient for us. Exactly. And we really just have that one standard import preset for color and we have a black and white <laughs> preset. And yep. That is it. That's all we've got. That's so. perfect. That is, that's exactly what I, what I've taught. I, I love that. So take us, yep. we're at Tuesday morning now. What happens on Tuesday? Yes. Yep. So the vlog goes live on Tuesday and then Luke, either that afternoon or Wednesday morning, will send off the images to you guys at Photographers Edit to edit the rest of the images. And then you guys are obviously super fast. So often we have those back Thursday or Friday. I'm able to upload the gallery and deliver our images by Monday. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, like a one week turnaround time for a whole wedding is... Yeah. That's yeah. really, really great. And by the way, I, I've said this in the past, we, we don't usually put a huge focus on Photographer's Edit as a topic here at the, at the podcast, because I know that a lot of photographers are listening in that don't listen to Photographer's Edit and or don't want a commercial every time they listen to yes. uh, to the podcast. But and so we didn't plan this this uh, mentioning Photographer's Edit. I do appreciate <laughs> no, you not mentioning at all. it. Uh, but, but I like that the workflow, um, especially when it comes to outsourcing, the editing has enabled you to be able to turn a whole wedding around in a week. Um, yeah. It's very proactive in you all's part to to jump right in on a Monday and get, prep those images to send off. Uh, and, you know, to your point, too, about prepping that many images, I know that different photographers will prep different numbers. Um, I, mm-hmm. I even start by recommending, hey, even just like a couple from each segment of the day, certainly mm-hmm. the more yeah. the better. But ultimately the turnaround time is really, really impressive. Most photographers would probably be happy with three or four weeks or, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a little more, five or six weeks, but a week is incredible. So this brings Mm -hmm. me to the next question, which is to, to, let's try to make this even more tangible. They've heard the workflow, but what are, I love philosophy. I love the, the big ideas that drive what we do. And so I'm curious what the big concepts, the big ideas are that are driving your ability to provide this, cur- this, this turnaround time. I mean, it's so quick, uh, a week. It, as many conversations I've, <laughs> I've had with photographers uh, over the years, I, there's very few that have said that they can turn it around in a week that I, that I can remember right now. So mm-hmm. talk to us about the ideas that drive that workflow. Yeah. So I would say the, the number one thing is calling well and immediately on Monday. So, um, and not getting emotionally attached to the images. So uh, yeah. we, you know, that's Caitlin, why Luke calls, not me. <laughs> Caitlin, uh, yeah. If, if I let Caitlin Cole just randomly, we get double the amount of image oh, we need. So true. And it comes down to, we really just, so we probably shoot between the two of us. We probably shoot 4,000 shots ish. Wow. Depending on how much time we're there. And how many are you delivering as a finished product? We'll deliver anywhere from 700 to 900 photos. Okay. So I, I really cut it, you know, I cut it down really. I mean, we're just, we're hitting that shutter button like crazy on a, on a wedding day. We and, me. Uh, Caitlin, Caitlin is definitely doing <laughs> definitely. that. But yeah. So what we do is we literally, literally just call it down to 700 to 900 images. And at that point, Caitlin will then edit, like we said before the 200 to 250. So that already takes it down to either 500 or 700 photos to send you guys. Now, another way if people are looking to cut costs is um, usually reception lighting is easier if, and it's more consistent than outdoor. So if you if you are okay with reception lighting, you could edit the reception by just syncing those and send the rest to Photographer's Edit. That's one, one way we used to do that at the beginning is cut costs of that sense. Now that we're wanting to grow and, and eventually we want to start looking towards our family, we're going to be like, yeah. okay, we'll just send everything to, to yeah. Photographer's Edit. But if you are someone that's looking to want to start outsourcing, you can 
start outsourcing by just outsourcing the stuff that's harder to edit or yeah. takes more time, mm-hmm. you know, whether the that's bulk. reception or not. So yeah. that's such that's a great point one. that, I mean, that the, the, when it comes to delegation, this doesn't just hold true specifically for photographers that if you delegate editing elsewhere or you're delegating, you know, administrative work, email management or album design, anything, it's, yeah. it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition that the goal mm-hmm. is ultimately yeah. to give up as much as you possibly can. And part of that has to do with the budget. And so yeah. I love yeah. the, the, the fact that, um, Luke, as you said, suggested a photographer can just outsource or delegate a certain segment of their editing work or any other part yeah. of the workflow for that matter. And there yeah. are ways to, to work around that. Even when it comes to culling, you mentioned culling. I, I think the last number that I saw is roughly 70% of our clients are doing their own culling and then sending mm-hmm. the rest for color correction. And that does save yeah. a bit of money. Uh, and there mm-hmm. is a way, by the way, for those of you who do call your own images to go about that process very quickly. You talked about the emotional attachment, which is interesting because I, I can I very much relate to that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. the calling process can take so long if you get sucked mm-hmm. up in it. And the workflow that I've taught for years and actually the root of our workflow at Photographer's Edit it lies in using the the P key to pick. So I, I love keyboard shortcuts. It's so much more efficient. But if you yeah. have a series of, of images just simply finding the one that immediately sticks out to you as far as expression, lighting, composition, and mm-hmm. choosing that versus feeling like you have to pull up all five and compare them. Yeah. If you've got one image, yeah. that's great. Run with it. P key, it's flagged. <laughs> move to the next set. And, and you do yep. that. And that way, and I think part of it too is I noticed in years past that photographers were kind of focusing on deleting versus picking. So mm-hmm. that, that gets even more complicated because even though you're with a virtual catalog, you're not deleting per se. Um, yeah. or, uh, the, the, the idea of, quote, getting rid of an image instead of just simply picking your favorite, uh, that can throw another wrench in the process of efficiency. And so keeping it simple, just pick the, the best in that series, moving to the next, that can help the photographer move through. Do you have a similar workflow, Luke, or what, what does yours look like? Well, um, we actually use the, the program Photo Mechanic to do this. I don't yes. know if you're familiar. Yeah, so I that's, I mean, we're literally just tagging every image and it comes down to usually we have multiple multiple shots from the same angle or, or the, at that point, the same pose. Mm-hmm. So I'm hitting one, one and I'm going through it. I'm just like, okay, when it comes down to it, I, I want to make sure they have one from each pose okay. from each shot. So Caitlin yeah. goes through her, her whole posing thing at that point and she'll have, you know, at least easily like five to 800 photos. Um, and I'll go through and I'll make sure there's one from each section. So they'll have it. But the real, the, the really, the goal is to just make sure that they aren't duplicated. We don't mm-hmm. want a lot of the similar photos on there because mm-hmm. in reality, the client's not going to use the same photo and post all, you know, they're going to use one of them, but mm-hmm. they're not going to be looking for that one shot where they were angled this one way. You know, they don't know. We, they don't we, know. We that know. that yeah. sums yeah. it up. That sums it up. They don't know. They're exactly. not, they're not looking they over your shoulder. Know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's good. So starting with the, the culling uh, and doing so immediately on Monday, it, it, I'm sure that for many of us, something like that, I mean, it, it can feel a little bit tedious and be easy to put it off, but just diving right in and getting it out of the way. I think that's a great first step. What's the next one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the two things that I want to mention next are just more of the outsourcing thing. So obviously outsourcing our editing is huge in providing a really quick turnaround time, but then also having our virtual assistant to help us with blogging. And she also takes care of delivering images to vendors after the wedding. Um, obviously we wouldn't be able to send over those edited images um, to the outsourcing company if we hadn't blogged first. So she's a huge help in getting that blog post up so quickly. Um, and I'm able to work on other things while she 
is prepping the blog posts for us. So for us, it's really changed the game to have both the outsourcing editing implemented and then hiring a virtual assistant wow. as well. Okay. So do you have, did you hire, hire an individual or are you working with a particular company or can you divulge mm-hmm. that information? Yeah, definitely. So she is just an individual out of Virginia, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she's got her own photography business as well, but she takes on the select few clients for virtual assistant work. Huh. And so she does a lot of the blogging for us, both for, and I guess I should point out our workflow for weddings is very similar to our workflow for engagements. We're able to turn those around in a week as well. So she helps with the blogging for both engagements and weddings. Wow. Um, and then she handles all the delivery to vendors after weddings, which used to take me forever to do so. And for photographers who may be curious too, what, what does, I'm not asking for specific numbers here, but is the pay for this type of work kind of a flat rate or is an hourly rate or what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's a flat rate per blog post that that's just how she had it set up. And yeah, I just, I prefer it because it's, it's all a tax deduction at that point when I was worried about paying employee taxes. Mm -hmm. So with payroll and all that kind of thing, this is all her separate business and we're done with it at that point. And so I enjoy the simplicity of a virtual assistant mm-hmm. and prefer that. But if we had to, if we had a lot more work, we'd probably end up hiring someone to mm-hmm. be in the office with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's good. Well, I, I like that as a point of reference for, for perspective. Um, so yeah. you mentioned the first point, calling immediately. Two is outsourcing the editing. We covered that in pretty good detail, I think. And then a virtual assistant uh, is the, mm-hmm. the third concept. Any more to add to this list? Yeah, definitely. So the next one would be just, and this is a really simple one. It's just become a mindset for us that this is what we do. There's no, you know, are we going to deliver this one really quick? And then the next one in a few weeks, if we get backed up, it's just become a foundation of our business and it's just expected. And especially for us, I mean, we've had cases where um, a couple will receive their images on their honeymoon if we're even a little early and they're sitting on the beach going through their gallery and they post about it. Obviously, if people are sharing about that in their reviews online on social media, and then we deliver somebody else's gallery in two months, that's just not gonna, that's not gonna fly. It's not gonna look good or consistent. So kind of once we started it, we kind of just had to keep going with it. So it's just it's a non negotiable for us. So I know that's a simpler one, but it's more of just our mindset at this point towards it. Well, it's simple as an idea. But to to our earlier conversation, there's a difference between talking about it and then doing it right. And, Mm -hmm. And really, at least at the outset with something like this, it just it does take simply doing it and doing it over and over and over again. Then you build its habit and then you develop a momentum that makes it in some ways almost exciting because you see the end result. This is something yeah. that, that I actually saw specifically with the Boca podcast. Uh, we had actually tried podcasting years ago under a little bit of a different like uh, sister brand, if you will, and it died yeah. off. And then I, I ended up starting the podcast back up, but it was when I really committed to doing it consistently mm-hmm. that we began to see this momentum that was really, really great. And now, I mean, I, of course, I just naturally love doing it as a whole anyway. Um, mm, but yeah. the, the consistency or the effort at consistency and building that momentum makes it easier as you go along too. And um, that's something to note because those listening in, they might think, wow, this workflow, like you have to, you're, you're forced to just jump right in and do it. And you've got these, deliver- <laughs> these delivery times that are maybe a little bit overwhelming, but you, mm-hmm. once oh, you yeah. get going, the momentum is there and it makes it easier. And I, I love that you're setting that, that standard. Any other ideas to share here as we close? Yeah. So really the main, one of the main reasons why, and this is the last one we wanted to bring up is just, we wanted to, wanted the least liability on our business as possible. And that means that the more time the photos are in our hands, the more chances something could happen, whether that's a fire, whether that's something gets dropped, whether I don't, I don't know what it could be, but the more, the more time it's in our hands, 
it's more of a liability to us. So if we can, if we can get through this process quicker, we can get the, the client happy with their photos, huh. then that's better for our business because in the end, they've got their photos, they've got the finished product, they've got what they paid for, yeah. and we're out of risk at that point, at least for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, we're backing up our images the night of the wedding. We don't go to bed until they are all backed sure, up. Sure. So same with an engagement shoot. So I think for us, we've heard a lot of our friends talking about how they used to, before they implemented something like this, they would be so backed up on editing or even blogging or anything at all that they would let the images sit on memory cards in their office for months before they got to them and not oh even like start the backup process. Yeah. And so even if you're backing it up and not doing anything with it, we just feel better kind of having that momentum. Like you were talking about where we're just kind of pounding the images out and delivering galleries and then on to the next one. It just makes us feel a little bit more at ease. And then also, you know, as a benefit of that, there's no, you know, around the holidays, we're not editing for weeks on end trying to get caught up before Christmas or we're never back you know, backed up for months on shoots or anything, we're able to enjoy our life kind of going back to our beginning conversation because we have this system in place. So yeah, it definitely makes us feel a little more peaceful knowing that our images are going out and back to our clients' hands pretty quickly and also has really freed up our life too. Wow. Do you have, I mean, you all are so efficient in your workflow. Do you have a backup process that's pretty efficient as well? (laughs) Um, well, yeah, with photo mechanic, it's really, it makes it really simple. So we're always, obviously we've got a portable hard drive that that's going to be our, our normal working drive. So Mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll back it up to a portable hard drive and then we'll also back it up to a NAS, um, that's spelled N A S and that's our, basically our personal cloud. And that's able to, we don't use it other than to access a photo if we're not at home. So it's mm-hmm. able, we can log on Wi-Fi and get a photo if we wanted to edit one randomly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty slow if you if you actually edit from the NAS. It's but more if you just actually, for security. Exactly. Yeah. It's more, it's an extra backup copy, but we can also access it if we're not at home, which is nice. And then um, obviously we have, an, we've got a portable hard drive that will go into a fire safe. So once we're actually going through the beginning process, we actually export our catalog into Lightroom. Uh, out of Lightroom, so we don't have to deal with the portable hard drive anymore. Mm-hmm. So we've got three copies. The NAS makes two um, copies of it onto two separate drives at that mm-hmm. point, and then we've got the actual portable hard drive. So we got three copies of our photos at all times. Yeah. Plus the photos are backed up in our gallery system that we deliver to as well. So there's really, they're covered as much as pretty much humanly possible. So. Wow. That's yeah, impressive. So, I mean, it's always, it's always about protecting yourself and mm-hmm. have, we have a, a part of our contract that says we're only liable for your photos for 30 days. And it's just, it's just there. Not that we won't get rid, we're not going to get rid of no, them, never. but we're, we just want to make sure we're protected mm-hmm. if the worst were to happen. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that by having multiple copies and having that contract state that. And, and minimizing liability as a result. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really, really great. Well, um, this has been a really fun conversation. It's been an informative <laughs> conversation and, and I really appreciate you both making time to share with podcast today. Can you just in closing, uh, let our listeners know where they can find both your website and your Instagram account as well? Yeah, definitely. So our website is caitlinandluke.com and I'll spell my name because it's weird. It's C-A-I-T-L-I-N. So most people don't spell it that way. <laughs> don't spell my name. No, it's no. L-U-K-E. <laughs> well done. Uh, well played. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then we are at Caitlin and Luke Photo on Instagram. Um, and then also if you go to our website, caitlinandluke.com slash education, um, we've got some free resources for photographers. A lot of our blog posts are listed there and we have a really fun Facebook community 
community for photographers that Luke runs and we love. And there's a link to that there as well. So that's yeah. great. And then we'll put, we'll link to your website and to Instagram, but we'll also put a direct link in the show notes to that, those educational resources as well. So yeah. for those listening in, make sure you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And you can see these show notes and all the resources that we've discussed today. But thank you, Caitlin and Luke, both for making time for the Boca podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. It's been fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.